Good morning, good morning, my children. <laughs> I like to say that. All right. Good morning. I'm looking back at all you've done for me. It seems to me I never take the time. Of heartbreak and despair You showed me How much you really care When all seemed lost Oh, you were there There's nothing like The love you give to me That lifts me up And takes me past the stars So far beyond I'd ever thought I'd go Who am I And what do I know This pile of dust The wind will blow My Lord, my God I worship you For who you are And what you do My Lord, my God I worship you are in what you do You're everything I want to be There's so much more that I can see Yeah I worship you Oh, I worship you You're everything I want to be There's so much more that I can't see I'm finding out you're more than just a name It seems to me there's little that I know You've never changed your way in all the years your hand, it wipes away my tears There's hope where once there were fears My Lord, my God, I worship you For who you are and what you do My Lord, my God, I worship you For who you are what you do You're everything I want to be There's so much more that I can see Yeah I worship you Oh, I worship you You're everything I want to be There's so much more that I can't see I'll hang up the guitar, I'll be right back
Good morning again, my children. <laughs> my spiritual children, those of you who follow me. Hey, uh, good morning again. And uh, could you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. As we continue our study of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, and uh, we'll, it's a great book, and it's fun studying it, and, uh, and great fun so far teaching it, and, uh, which I expected. So, because a lot of great stuff here. And uh, so, a lot of great theology, a, a lot of great practical application that Paul gives us. So, it's going to be a fun book to study. And uh, so, um, uh, glad to have again have you all with us. And uh, um, we've had a couple of really nice days here in Iowa. I was uh, on Sunday after class at uh, Doctrinal Bible Church, which I teach here in Huntsville on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And, uh, and on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. So if you're in the area, come on down 1215 Russell Street, Northeast, Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, so uh, we uh, went for a bike ride. One of the guys in my uh, church, he was a captain in the military. I like to call him, he's retired now. I, I, call, I like to call him captain and salute him. <laughs> when I come into the church, he opens up the church. So when I come in, I'm like the first person in and I'll salute him a lot of times. Captain, I'm here reporting for duty. <laughs> You, you gotta love, you know, I love that stuff. So I remember when I was a little boy, my dad used to walk around with, uh, I was never in the army. So people say, oh, you in the military? No. So uh, my, uh, when we were little boy, my, <laughs> me and my brother Jimmy, we used to uh, have those fake plastic army helmets. And uh, I remember we used to march around. He said, like, you know, get, you know, attention. And my father would go, attention. <laughs> and we walk around my grandmother's house marching. <laughs> oh, that's fun stuff. We used to do that my nieces, my nephews too. That we do with our nieces too, so uh, anyways, um, and we get a lot of military guys over here and uh, at uh, Doctor Bible Church because Huntsville is a lot of places. A lot of guys when they get stationed here come here in the military when they're active service and they uh, they get um, when they retire they they like to live here because they've had, they like this when they stopped here they loved it and their families and their wives so um, kind of cool because it's like a lot of I mean like I said a lot a lot of retired military people police officers tons of of uh, engineers, it seems like everybody's an engineer, including all the the women are all very intelligent. So it's a pretty, pretty cool place. And I got one guy is a retired three star general. His name's Joe, and he's he's a great guy. You'd never know he's a three star general. You know, he doesn't walk around like he's General Patton. <laughs> he's just really very, uh, very nice. His wife's very nice too. So it's everybody's uh, pretty cool. So if you're in the area, come on down. And uh, this is uh, God's country here. It's beautiful down here. Especially, unfortunately, except for the tornadoes. <laughs> like Iowa, I lived in Iowa for 18 years, and you get a tornado every now and then. And uh, I remember one time toward the end of my stay there, I think I mentioned this to you guys, and uh, a funnel cloud hit my, my roof of my uh, apartment. And then, boy, I tell you, that was bizarre. And it was, just, you know, what do you call it? Uh, I was ready to go out to, out to class. Good thing I didn't go out when it hit because I would have got decapitated with all the shingles, like huge, massive shingles going up the fake uh, shutters and like just, unbel I don't know, I couldn't, couldn't even imagine how the, fast that wind was going, but it was going pretty good. So I was like, I'm glad it wasn't an F5 because <laughs> there would be nothing left of me. I'd be in pieces all over the cornfield. You'd probably find me in, uh, in uh, North Dakota somewhere. And, uh, so that was so I got out of that, that got out of there alive. <laughs> that was like 2018, I think 17, and it was in November. It was a freak storm, and I'm watching on the radar television the whole thing. You know, it's out of the just about out of the area, and then I got hit with the the little the, the whole place had a bunch of little tornadoes 
popping on the roofs and they we had new roofs nobody lost the whole roof but shingles were ripped off but so that was we were fortunate there so then the other day last week we really had some serious um you know thunderstorms coming through and there was a major cell that we're watching at it was like last wednesday and uh after class we got out of there man man it was but we didn't get too much wind but on this was a monday last friday i don't know what it was we had another thunderstorm. Man, the wind was blowing here. It was like going sideways kind of wind. I've seen that in Iowa and Massachusetts. And uh, so uh, we escaped uh, without any tornadoes there or hurricane damage or trees falling down, you know. And um, I get to <laughs> every story. So like, I'm, I'm renting this house, a cottage, uh, right beside, uh, it's about half mile down from the Doctor Bible Church, the, the building, the church here. And so... I move in this cottage. I love it, you know. <laughs> one night, one night, I was like, one of the first times I was, I think it was the fall, I think. I don't know what it was. But I was, I woke up, I thought somebody was breaking into the house. It was the back of the house. My bedroom where I sleep, is. this is the front bedroom in front of the house, but in the back bedroom, and I hear, and there's a bathroom behind me, and I was like, that sounds like somebody's got the door trying to get, I was like, Holy mackerel. So I'm like, I have to use my karate because I don't, I don't have any, I didn't pack any guns with me. My, I gave my brother my 12-gauge shotgun when I moved to Massachusetts from Iowa. But, so I don't have any weapons, you know, because I'd take them out. <laughs> no. So anyways, I'd probably run out the door because, you know, that's, you know, I'll let the police shoot them if they want to. But um, I'm fast too. I, I still get some speed. Anyways, so, I, I, so I, I'm thinking, if it's, it is somebody, I'm just going to have the, my phone in my hand and call, the, you know, pit the, you know, with a new iPhone 13, you can go and it just SOS. So I can run out the front door while he's coming through the back door, or she, whatever it is. So, yeah, and then it turns out, it looks like I have a squirrel up in my, uh, and the house has been all new roof and everything. The house was remodeled and there's, you could tell the, there's no way in these seals. He's, they're getting down. A squirrel's getting the house. But he's he's somehow got underneath, I don't know where he is. I don't know how he got underneath the roof, uh, you know, because there's not a lot of room. And um, so anyways, there's tons of squirrels around this area. It's like, you know what? Those boys are in deep trouble. So I got a, a friend of mine, you know, the Huntsville police probably come and arrest me after I tell you this. <laughs> so I'm thinking, just, hey, you guys got 22? Or like, you know, I can't shoot around here because, you know, houses and everything. It's like, give me a BB gun. Cause I'll take, I'll be in a military stance, and I'll be popping these guys out of the trees. I, I'm a good shot. And they didn't think, and I would, I did used to do the skate shoot, and I used to cross, crisscross, and I'd nail them. I was a pretty good shooter. They couldn't believe a little country uh, city boy could do what the country boys could do. So I was like, oh, come on, you know. So, anyways, I get this stuff. It's like uh, the guy has a farmer out here, and he's he he, says, he gives me this stuff. It basically kills rats, but it won't cause them to stick. It dehydrates them and everything. It's like. Give me that. So, anyways, I, I took care of it. Some, some, something died underneath my porch about around Christmas time, and it was causing flies to accumulate at my back door. So I took got this stuff, and they were gone. So I'm saying, I'll just throw one of these up on the roof. Well, I haven't heard too much of these guys, these squirrels. In fact, I'm looking around the neighborhood, and I don't see the squirrels all over the backyard like they used to be or my front yard, running up the bushes and everything. So, uh, so in any way, the other night, I didn't hear the same. It was like oh, right over my, my shower head. And I uh, was like, you know, be banging on this, yeah, get out of there, you know. It's like, and I know there's a squirrel in my father's house that, that, that he sneaks into our house. So anyways, I threw up another one the other day and I haven't heard anybody, you know, these, these little things. And so he just takes a munch on that and he's dead and his brother's dead with him and his mother and his father. They're all, I'm wiping them all out. I'm wiping the squirrel. Now I know why my father can't stand squirrels. They're rats with tails. 
So the doctrine of squirrel, to, today we're going to forego Ephesians and we're going to talk about the doctrine of dead squirrels. <laughs> Rats with tails. All right, enough of that. It does give you a funny story. And uh, so uh, just, you know, the, so I won't be getting any Christmas cards from the squirrel community here in Huntsville. <laughs> All right, let's take a moment of silent prayers. This is our custom. We take a moment of silent prayer to examine it. For those of you who are squirrel lovers, you're going to need to rebound now, confess your sins. So let's take a moment of silent prayer to examine ourselves to determine if we're in fellowship with God because any mental, verbal, or overt of sin that we knowingly commit will cause us to lose fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to the Father, He, God the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In other words, He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing. And uh, we maintain that fellowship by obeying the Spirit who speaks to us through the Scriptures which He's inspired. And that's when we're obeying the commands of Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit and Colossians 3.16 to let the Word of Christ richly dwell in our souls. So with, if there's anything that's bothering you, disturbing or distracting to you, do what 1 Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. So with that in mind, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us another day to study your word. We thank you for the grace, the faith, the salvation, your work on our behalf in eternity past, the personal work of your Son of the Cross, and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives from regeneration to resurrection. We thank you, Father, for all the logistical grace blessings for another day, the food, shelter, clothing. We thank you for our homes, our salaries, our families, the church that we go to. We just thank you, Father, for the spiritual blessings that we have because of our union identification with your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that uh, everyone connected to this ministry uh, would continue to grow in love toward you and each other and uh, uh, become more and more uh, uh, dedicated and devoted to you and appropriate by faith their union identification with your Son so that they can experience victory over sin and Satan in this cosmic system. And uh, we look forward in anticipation to the rapture, the resurrection of the church, which is imminent, or our physical death, whichever comes first, because it's uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And if we're in a resurrection body, that means we're perfected and we'll never sin again. And uh, we just look forward, anticipation to that day, Father. So help us live our lives in light of the imminency of the return of your Son at the rapture, or our death, whichever comes first. I thank you for those who are joining us live and uh, who will be listening or watching these classes at a later date through the recordings. I thank you, Father, for them. I just pray, thank you for the technology, people taking advantage of it. I pray, Father, that it would function properly, especially starting off with the YouTube streaming video. I just pray it functions properly. Thank you for the service that they provide. And I also pray there'd be no problems, problems with recordings, the video and the audio, and uploaded these things to our various websites, podcasts, and media platforms that you have given to us. I pray you protect them and use them mightily. I pray that you would help your people in the audience to learn, understand what's being taught uh, by the power of the Spirit and help them to make application and joy and uh, hearing and uh, that they would cause them to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and a, a great deeper uh, intimate fellowship with you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. I also pray that you would help me as the communicator, and I thank you first of all for the gift and the honor that you give me and the privilege and responsibility you give me to communicate your word to your people. I pray, Father, help me to 
do this today with reverence and respect and power. I pray the Spirit would use me mightily as His instrument and make clear to people that you are using me and the gift you've given me and that you would bring glory to yourself as a result. And so, Father, I also pray for any non-Christians that might be in the audience. I thank you for them. And I pray, Father, that you would help them to understand the gospel so that they can make a decision to either accept or reject your Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior. We know that you desire all people to be saved and come to an experiential knowledge of the truth. So, Father, we pray for this service. And our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ's name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. You should be at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to be uh, in the second hour of Ephesians 1, 5. It's a three-hour study of verse 5 because of the content. And today we'll be looking at the first, uh, second declarative statement or the, uh, the prepositional phrase that teaches us that the, uh, the, the adoption as sons was the purpose of the Father predestinating the church-age believer, you and I. So uh, that uh, remember, church-age believer is anyone who is born again and saved during the period of um, 33, from 33 A.D. In, in June, uh, June of 33 A.D. and the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts 2. Uh, from that point on, the church began. It ends with a rapture, which again is imminent. So during this period, anybody who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, whether they're Jew or Gentile, uh, is, becomes a member of the, the member of the body of Christ and also a future bride of Christ and is in union and identified with Christ through the baptism of the Spirit. And this is uh, uh, making us a special people. Uh, the church member is composed of two races, Jew and Gentile. And uh, because of uh, the, our, the, the Gentile believers being united to the Jewish remnant in the church, that's the reason why we are the beneficiaries of the new covenant. Uh, which uh, stipulated the, the gift of the Spirit and forgiveness of sins. And so because of our being united to the baptism of the Spirit and our justification, us Gentile believers are now experiencing the same blessings as, uh, as the Jewish believers. And we're fellow partakers and, uh, of, uh, of this uh, blessing. And so as Gentiles uh, believers. And so we'll see this in Ephesians chapter 3. And so uh, it was no mystery that the Old Testament taught Gentile believers would be saved, but it didn't teach about that, that we're fellow partakers uh, with uh, members of uh, the Jewish remnant in the church. So this is, uh, we're going to look at today, uh, the subject of adoption. Uh, those who studied Romans with me way back when I was at Prairie View, uh, we uh, talked about this uh, subject of uh, adoption, and Paul talks about, as we'll see today, it's Roman-style adoption, we can call it, because he's got the meta, he's using this metaphor, and he got it from the, uh, the, the world he lived in, where the Romans used to practice this uh, adoption. But it was an adoption like we know it in America and the Western culture in the, in the 21st century. So we'll be talking about that in this lesson, and this will constitute our 19th hour in this uh, particular epistle. So uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll be reading today from the NIV. And then I'll uh, read, uh, we'll read all the way to verse 14. And remember the introduction, uh, identification, the, the author and the recipients is in verse 1. Then there's a spirit inspired uh, greeting in verse 2. And then verses 3 through 14 constitute the beginning of the body of the letter, and it's actually a preface to the letter. And uh, it brings up subjects that will be later on elaborated in further greater detail later in the epistle. And it's a triadic pattern it contains. In fact, verse 3 contains a triadic pattern, as we pointed out. That means each member of the Trinity is mentioned in this section of the letter, right at the very beginning. 
And so uh, we're going to read uh, all the way to verse 14, and then we'll look at verses, we'll read my translation, verses 3 through 5 of this chapter, and then look at verse 5 in detail. In particular, uh, the discussion of Paul gives, talks about, when he talks about adoption, we're going to talk about that for this class. So it says, in, again, I'm reading from the NIV, uh, in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. So there's a discussion in verses three through six of the father's work on our behalf in eternity past uh, with election and predestination. Now verses seven through 12 contain a discussion of the work that Christ accomplished for us and redeeming us at the cross. Verse seven, in him we have, Christ, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now in verses 13 and 14, we have a brief discussion about the Holy Spirit's work at our justification. And like the work of the Son and the Father in eternity past, this is to the praise of the Father's glory. So it says in verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who, the Spirit, is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance, rewards for faithful service, until the redemption of those, the resurrection of the church, who are God's possession, us, the church age believer, to the praise of his glory. Now, if you could look at my translation of verses 3 through 5 of the same chapter, it says, The God, namely the Father of the Lord ruling over us, who is Jesus Christ, is worthy of praise. Namely, because he is the one, the Father is the one who has blessed each and every one of us by means of each and every kind of spirit-appropriated blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. For he chose each and every one of us for his own purpose, because of him alone, Christ, before creation, in order that each and every one of us would be holy, as well as, well as uncensurable in his judgment. He did this, it says in verse 5, he did this by predestinating each and every one of us for the purpose of adoption as sons, because of his love through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the pleasure of his will. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, the prepositional phrase uh, which I translate for the purpose of adoption as sons, it's ace, uh, we are seeing, and this word presents the, per uh, this prepositional phrase is presenting the purpose for which the Father predestinated each and every church age believer through Jesus Christ. So therefore, it's uh, expressing the idea that the Father predestinated each and every church age believer because of his love through Jesus Christ for the purpose of adoption. So every church age believer was adopted by God the Father at the moment of their justification, without exception. In other words, the moment you and I, as church-age believers, was decla were declared justified by the Father, 
through faith in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. We were adopted Roman style, as I said before the opening prayer. Roman style into the royal family of God we were adopted through the baptism of the Spirit, thus making us, us church age believers, Jew and Gentile believers during the church age, it made us heirs of God and spiritual aristocracy. And as I've been trying to point out to you, uh, throughout my ministry, especially definitely in the last uh, four or five years, uh, we need as church age believers to define ourselves by virtue of our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fact that we're, first of all, created in the image of God, but and also Christ died for us when, it, when we were his enemies. So they, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit value us that much. And, uh, and also, uh, we're identified with Christ through the baptism of the Spirit. Now God looks at us as crucified, died, buried, raised, and seated with his Son. He doesn't look at us according to our sins and transgressions. We're now the object of God's personal love because we have the gift at the moment of our justification, the gift of righteousness, which makes us as righteous and holy as God. Now, now the question is, will we experience that in time, that holiness and righteousness, and will perfect it, and will be perfected in a resurrection body? We'll always uh, experience it then, but in the meantime, it's just the potential. We have to obey God to experience it. So we're also so we're in union with Christ, and we were elected in eternity past, and we the Father did this by predestinating each and every one of us, one of us. So God thought about us in eternity past before we were anything was ever created before the time matter space continuum was created. I mean, that's how much he thinks about you and I. So, I mean, a lot of people are defining themselves, even in the Christian community, by how much money they have, how smart they have, what school they go to, who they married, uh, the job they have, uh, their, how many likes they have on Facebook, uh, you name it. And uh, I'm a football star, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, it, those things can be taken away. Every single one of those things can be taken away and will be taken away. Either you'll be taken away from them or they'll be taken away from you. So one thing, that only the only thing that really matters for us is our relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now there's many metaphors that the, the New Testament writers like Paul like to use to convey the uh, this relationship. So you and I as sinners uh, were adopted Roman style into the royal family of God through the baptism of the Spirit at a moment of our justification. And that resulted in us being heirs of God and spiritual aristocracy. So you might be poor. You might not have two nickels to rub together. Uh, uh, or, you know what I mean? So it's, you, 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 if you, it doesn't matter. You might be, you know, whatever you, your circumstances are, how bad or dire they might be, uh, or you think they might be, really in reality, you're a king. You're like, you're, you're, you're like, you're the queen. In a sense, Jesus is the king and we're the, the bride, his bride. So, I mean, he, we got it all. We're, we, that's why we're overwhelmingly conquer, conquerors. Christ's victory is our victory. Uh, he's got the strategic victory. We're supposed to experience the tactical victory uh, by appropriating, appropriating by faith our union identification with Christ. Uh, we're we're going to live with him forever. We're going to reign with him over this earth for a thousand years. I mean, so... Uh, we need to stop looking at our circumstances, which are temporary, and start thinking doctrine. You need to think and not emote. A lot, a lot, a lot of Christians do that. They, and we all have to battle that. I, I'm an emotional person as well. But uh, as I've said to you in the past, I was really tested in the last three years in Massachusetts before I came to to uh, Alabama. And uh, with, the, with the, the crisis with my mother, and then my brother Kenny has cancer, my sister was sick. I'm dealing with the, the loss of several friends from suicide. 
Um, you know, lost some friends. Tyson Jody, I was not in Iowa anymore. That was very close to them. And, uh, you know, now the ministry, where was I going to do with the ministry? And then COVID hit one thing after another. And then not to mention certain things I was battling with. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it was a very, very, very difficult situation. And I basically had to talk my, give myself advice that I would give to somebody who was going through the same thing as I was going through. So we have to talk our ways through it and not get depressed and uh, think about our circumstances. Everything is temporary. It's not going to last forever. Uh, the reality is, is God that re God, you're in his family. You can't get any better. Is he the one who created everything? All the money and all the cattle on a thousand hills, it says in the Psalms, is his. And now it's yours. <laughs> You've inherited all this. Okay, and we didn't earn it or deserve it. This was to glorify God's grace, which this whole preface is about in this epistle. So, Roman adoption. I told you we were, when Paul talks about adoption, he's thinking of Roman-style adoption. Roman adoption. So what was Roman adoption? This is where we study the Bible in its historical context, and we need to know something about, if you're studying the New Testament, you need, especially in Ephesians, you better know something about uh, the Roman world that Paul lived in, and Rome. Roman adoption, what was it? Well, Roman adoption was the process by which a person was transferred from his natural father's power into that of his adopted father. Now, Roman-style adoption was the custom of selectivity, selecting some to fulfill or take over the family estates and guarantee that the next generation will be as efficient as the last generation in Roman life. So the Romans were brilliant for this because, you know, you could have a, your natural-born son or sons could be real you know, loses, right? And uh, not very, uh, you know, don't have their act together and they're irresponsible and they just spoiled rats, okay? But you could adopt somebody that's a slave. <laughs> you could adopt somebody who doesn't have a lot, but they're very hardworking. They got a good work ethic and, hey, I could do something with this kid. <laughs> Think about that. So um, so that's, you know, like uh, Octavius, uh, Gaius Julius Caesar adopted him, his nephew. So, and this kept, you know, so this kept the Roman aristocracy strong because they always they, they could use a Roman style adoption to overcome any uh, uh, problems that they had with their own natural born children. So under Roman law, under Roman law, the adopted son had the same status and privileges as the real son. And the real son for us in this context is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God looks at you as He looks at His Son. I told you this many times, Paul brings this right up in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Romans 5, 12 through 20, what is it, at the end of the chapter, there's two people, the human race is under two headships, the, last, the first Adam, where it's a place of cursing and we're under the wrath of God, and in Christ. When we believed in Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit placed us in union with the Son, we're under His headship. We're in a place of blessing. That's why it says, Paul, in Ephesians 1, 3, we have every spiritual blessing and the spirit-appropriate blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you are somebody. The world, you might not be, you might be nothing in this world. You might be, you know, uh, living in poverty. You might be, you could be someone who has got severe handicaps, bedridden. Um, you could be, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. If you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, your past is gone. The future is won. <laughs> you, because now God's placed you in union with His Son. He's looking at you from a totally different perspective. So you need to change your attitude about yourself. People might say bad things about you because of your past, and you might have done bad things. But 
Christianity is filled with people, you know, people starting off with people like Mary Magdalene, uh, who were the off-scouring of society. Matthew, the tax collector, the Jewish tax collector, Roman uh, Jewish culture couldn't stand those guys. Their daughters couldn't go near them, and nobody did business with them because they were considered traitors. But God used Matthew. Did he not? The Lord used Matthew. And so uh, Roman-style adoption was, is, is fantastic. So under Roman law, the adopted son had the same status and privileges as the real son. And the real son in our context, as I said before, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the father's one and only son. We're the adopted sons of G, uh, the father. So Roman-style adoption served, as I said before, a useful purpose both socially and politically. Now let me give you an example. A child, a childless individual could adopt and ensure the continuation of the estates of the family, bequeathing not just property to the heir, but the family as well, for the new member accepted the name and rank of the adopted father. Politically, adoption could be a great advantage as a means of improving one's prospects by becoming adopted into a higher class family, moving from a plebeian to a patrician class. An example of Roman-style adoption, as I gave to you a few moments ago, was the Emperor Augustus, who was who as Octavius was adopted by the testament of his uncle Julius Caesar in 44 BC, taking the full name Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus. Now adoption by testament, of course, was the naming of an heir through a will. So as the adopted son of Gaius Julius Caesar, Octavius received not only the name property of Caesar when he was assassinated in 44 BC, but Octavius also received all the other benefits or social considerations as Caesar's adopted son. So, let's take the analogy over into what Paul's trying to say. We'll take this uh, Roman-style adoption into what Paul's trying to say when he uses this uh, metaphor. The New Testament scriptures teach that the church has been adopted into the royal family of God as adult sons, thus conferring upon us, the church-age believer, all the privileges and responsibilities that go along with this new relationship with God. So, Paul used Roman-style adoption here in Ephesians 1, 5. He uses it at Romans 8, 17. Paul uses Roman-style adoption analogy in his epistles to communicate to members of the church, uh, members of the churches throughout the Roman Empire, their new relationship with God, the Father that was acquired at the moment of faith in Christ, that justification. So Paul utilized Roman-style adoption illustrations to teach church-age believers that God the Father's grace policy places them into the relation of sons to himself. So, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 13, the church-age believer has been removed from the cosmic system of Satan as a child of the devil and has been placed as an adult son into the royal family of God, of which the Lord Jesus Christ is the head. Now, here's the difference between Roman-style adoption and this, God's adoption of us. The Romans would never take a, a, a barbarian who was not in Roman culture at all, uh, you know, he would, they would, uh, a Scythian, something like that, they would never ever adopt a person like that. Okay? And here's God, uh, this is manifest, this is, um, this is uh, um, manifesting or um, enhancing what Paul wants to, to bring glory to, God's grace. So it showed unmerited blessings poured out toward God's enemies, who once were God's enemies. Okay? So that it's, it's Roman-style adoption, but this is God, when he adopts us, church-age believers, 
he's going much further than the Romans ever did when they used this uh, principle of adoption. Okay, so let's go back to what I just said here. The church age believer has been removed at the moment of their justification from the cosmic system of Satan where they once were a child of the devil and at justification the spirit placed us as an adult son into the family of God, royal family of God, of which the Lord Jesus Christ is the head. So let's go to Colossians. Look at my translation of Colossians. We'll use my translation of Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 in my translation. Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 verse 3, you can see, we're going to read from my translation on the board. So Paul writes, we continue making in our habit of giving thanks to God, namely the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is the Christ, when we make it our habit of occupying ourselves with praying on behalf of each and every one of you as a corporate unit. We do this because we heard about your faith in Christ who is Jesus, and in addition your love with which you continue to regularly demonstrate for the benefit of each and every one of the saints. All of you do this because of the confident expectation which is as an eternal spiritual truth reserved in the heavens for all of you. All of you heard this by means of the teaching, which is the truth, namely the proclamation of the gospel. And then he says, which all of you, gospel, this also you continue to appropriate for the benefit of all of you, just as in fact throughout the entire world, it continues, the gospel, to produce fruit as well as spread, so also it continues to produce fruit as well as spread among all of you from the day all of you obeyed. Consequently, all of you required an objective experiential knowledge of the grace originating from God by means of the truth. Just as all of you learned the truth from Epaphras, our fellow, uh, beloved fellow servant, who is, a faithful, who is faithfully serving the Christ on behalf of each and every one of us, the one who also revealed to us your divine love by means of the Spirit's power. For this reason, for this reason also, for the day we ourselves heard about all of you, we never permit ourselves to cease making it our habit of occupying ourselves with praying on behalf of each and every one of you. Specifically, we make it our a habit of occupying ourselves with ur making urgent requests that God would cause all of you to be filled with that which is knowing His will experientially by means of a wisdom which is absolute resulting in a discernment which is spiritual. The purpose would be all of you living your lives in a manner worthy of the Lord so as to be fully pleasing to Him. This would result in all of you bearing fruit by means of each and every kind of action which is divine good in quality and character and in addition increasing knowing experientially God the Father. This because this is because all of you are empowered by means of a power which is absolute, because of a power which is sovereign, namely His glory, the purpose of which to perfectly embody perseverance as well as patience with joy. All the while, all of you making it your habit of giving thanks to the Father who has qualified each and every one of you, with regards to sharing in the saints' inheritance, residing in that which is characterized by light, who, verse 13, delivered each and every one of us from the dark power, Satan's kingdom. Also, he transferred each and every one of us to his son's kingdom, who he loves. When did he do that? At the moment of our justification. In union with whom, Christ, we as an eternal spiritual truth, the gnomic present of the verb there, are experiencing the redemption, namely, the specific, specifically, the forgiveness of our sins. So one of the purposes of the incarnation of the Son of God was that we might receive the adoption as sons. Uh, look at uh, uh, Galatians 4.1 in the Net Bible. Paul says now in Galatians 4.1, Now I mean that the heir, as long as he is a minor, 
is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So also we, when we were minors, were enslaved to the, under the basic forces of the world's cosmic system of Satan. But when the appropriate time had come, 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, and he says to redeem those who are under the law so that they might be adopted as sons with full rights. So in this passage, the word sons is weos, which is used in relation to the Christian's adoption. And adoption, again, means the church age, that the church age believers now spiritual aristocracy and is intimately related to all three members of the Trinity. So go back now to Ephesians 1.5. And I'll read from the Net Bible. It says, he did this, okay? He elected us, and he did this, and he predestinated us. He did. Uh, he elected us in verse 4, and then it says in verse 5, he, he did this by predestinating us, or predestining us, to adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ according to the pleasure of his will. Now, in Ephesians 1.5, the phrase adoption as his sons is the, way, is the word weothesia, which emphasizes that the believer uh, receives the position, quote-unquote, of being a son of God, the moment they were declared justified through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. The Spirit makes this adoption uh, real to the Christian's experience. According to Galatians 4, 6, it says, And because you were sons, God sent the Son, a Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, who calls Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're also an heir through God. Isn't that encouraging? Really, meditate upon that. Really, think about it in your prayer. Think about that. See, one of the things I've, I've seen, you have to fight, I have to fight myself now, you know, even more than ever because I'm, I have two ministries. But, you know, especially in America, we have, uh, we have such a high-paced society and, you know, we, we need to slow things down. I was, I was talking to this guy, he works for the government and he's a, he was a coach. He's a very interesting guy, Christian. And I had a great conversation over a cigar with him last night. And, uh, and he, we were talking and he is a fantastic guy. I really enjoy him. There's several people down there. I really enjoy talking to very, uh, very intelligent individuals and, uh, godly. And, uh, and I, so he was, you know, we were just talking about, you know, uh, simplifying his life, you know, and uh, COVID thing really kind of helped him to do that, him and his wife. And I've always been like that anyways. I was you know, thinking about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and what I mean by simplify is, what are the things that are really, 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 really important? Okay, like he was talking about. I used to he used to get thing you know about shoes or clothes and the car he drives. And he's like, ah, now I don't. I, that stuff doesn't really mean too much to me. I got a car to go A to play at point A to point B, and I don't need to have you know, ten, fifteen suits in my closet. You know, and I was I'm that same way. You know, I mean, I, I like just the car. I'm not. A, I never was a big car guy, not a big clothes guy. I, I know what I like. I wear you know, and that's. So I just, you know, so me, to me, I want to, I don't want to be distracted from what I'm put on this earth to do, you know, and especially as a pastor, I nearly need to have focus like that. So, um, so what I say this is when, is that when I when you have time in prayer, you know, like one of the things I like to do when I smoke a cigar on the porch or whatever is, uh, and, and I like to think and talk to God and I'll have, <laughs> you can see me on the porch talking to God. I'll, I'll sometimes talk a lot of times audibly, you know, especially when it's night and nobody's around. I'm, there's nobody on either side of me. So, so I, I'm just talking to God about it, or driving in the car and talking to him. I used to do that in Massachusetts. But um, you're just talking about him and uh, talking to him about stuff and meditating on these things. I mean, I, we're actually heirs of God. 
That's, you know, I would rather be an heir of God than heir of, uh, you know, uh, Rockefeller or, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates or whoever the richest guy, Elon Musk, whatever his name is. I, you know, I really don't. Who who are they? I mean, they, they're just people. And, you know, it's like, but, I you know, to me, it's like you're, you're, you're just talking about material wealth. Think about it. You're going to be in the millennial reign of Christ. I don't think you'd be worried about material stuff anymore. <laughs> and you're going to be in the new heavens and new earth. And imagine, you're going to have rewards for faithful service in this life. And you get to the millennial reign, if you've got those rewards, and one of those rewards is the reign with Christ, I think you're going to be living in a pretty nice place. <laughs> and be, I don't know if we'll be driving cars that, I, who knows, we floating around. I don't know how, we're going to, how that's going to work. If, you know, what, what's going to be used for transportation. I know in resurrection body, I don't need to worry about transportation anymore. <laughs> you know, like I watch Jesus, he just appears out of, you know, and out of thin air, you know, so the resurrection body is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be better than a Mercedes <laughs> or, or, or a Porsche. So uh, think about this. And what I want you to know is just adopt, uh, think about this, this, the fact that we're adopted into God's family and our justification and, and we're his heirs. So the in, interesting enough, the, uh, the indwelling of the spirit who is connected to our adoption, according to Galatians 4, 6, the indwelling of the spirit gives the guarantee of the believer's adoption, as we pointed out in Galatians 4, 6. Now, Romans 8, 11 also says, talking about the Spirit, how Romans 8, 11, my translation, however, if and let us assume that it's true for the sake of argument, the Spirit, proceeding from the one, that's the Father in context, who raised the unique person of Jesus from the dead ones, does dwell in all of you. Of course, he does, a responsive first-class condition. Then the one, the Father, who raised Christ from the dead ones, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, who does permanently dwell in all of you. The filling of the Spirit enables you and I to experience our adoption. Ephesians 5.18, again my translation, do not permit yourselves to get into the habit of drink, being drunk with wine because that is nonsensical behavior, but rather permit yourselves on a habitual basis to be an influence by means of the Spirit. And you do that by studying the Scriptures and putting it into practice uh, uh, that uh, the Scriptures that He inspired. So the full manifestation of this adoption takes place at the rapture, the resurrection of the church. It says in Romans 8.23, not in the net Bible, not only this, but we ourselves also who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption. He looks at adoption in the past. Paul does in Ephesians 1.5, but we also have adoption in the future. What is he talking about? We're waiting our adoption, the, the perfection of our adoption, the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection of the church, which is imminent. So, Great passage there. And uh, also Ephesians 1.14, as we read not too long ago, the Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. So the adoption of the church-age believer means, number one, privileges as an adult son. However, with privilege comes responsibility. So number two, uh, the adoption of the church-age believer not only means privileges as an adult son for us church-age believers, but also the responsibility to grow to spiritual maturity. Robert Haldane, and uh, he had a, when we did Romans, we did this study on uh, Roman adoption in Romans 8, and Haldane was a great commentator in Romans. And uh, I want to take this uh, quote from him, read you this quote, which is kind of long, but it's really a great quote, quote so uh, pay attention. <laughs> great quote. So he says, I'm quoting from him, Robert Haldane, Adoption is not a work of grace in us, but an act of God's grace without us. I love that. Adoption is not a work of grace in us, but is an act of God's grace without us. According to the original word, it signifies putting among children. 
It is taking those who are by nature, children of wrath from the family of Satan, to which they originally belonged into the family of God. By union with Christ, being joined with him, we are one body and we enter into communion of his righteousness and of his title as the son of God, so that as we are righteous in him, we are also in him as his members, the sons of God, who in the moment that the spirit unites us to Jesus Christ, receives us as his children. All this, he says, shows how great is the benefit which we obtain when we receive the spirit of adoption and communion with the Son of God. Then he says, we are thus made children, the sons of the Father of lights, a title permanent and a natural and a nature immortal and divine. Our adoption reminds us of our original state as children of wrath and rebellion and strangers to the covenant of God. It discovers us to uh, it discovers to us the honor to which God has called us in becoming our father and making us his children, including so many advantages, rights, privileges, and at the same time, imposing on us many duties. These may be comprised under four heads. He says the first regards the privilege and glory of having God for our father and being his children. The second, he says, includes the rights which this adoption confers as a free access to God, the knowledge of his ways, and the assurance of his protection. The third implies that God's love for us, it implies God's love for us, his jealousy for our interests, and his care to defend us. I love that. I love all three of those. The fourth, he says, all the duties which the title or, or relation of children engages us to perform towards our Father and our God. So he says the term adoption is borrowed from the ancient custom especially prevalent among the Romans, of a man who had no children of his own adopting into his family the child of another. The father and the adopted child appeared before the praetor when the adopting father said to the child, Will thou be my son? And the child answered, I will. And the allusion to this custom reminds believers that they are not the children of God otherwise than by his free and voluntary election, and that thus they are under the far more powerful obligations to serve him than are their own children to obey them since it is entirely by his love and free good pleasure that they have been elevated to this dignity. Then he says, we also, we also remark the difference between the adoption of man and the adoption of God and choosing a son by adoption. The adopting party has regard to certain real or supposed qualities which appear meritorious or agreeable, but God and adopting his people, himself, produces the qualities in those whom he thus chooses. Man can impart his goods and give his name to those whom he adopts, but he cannot change their descent and nor transfer them into his own image. But God renders those whom he adopts, not only part as partakers of his name and of his blessings, but of his nature itself, changing and transforming them into his own blessed resemblance. This adoption then, is accompanied with a real change, and so great a change, that it bears the name of that which is the real ground of sonship, and is called regeneration. End of quote. What a great quote from Robert Haldane, and his commentary on Romans, and we, which we did a study on Romans over 500 hours. It's on our website, and we got the written articles for that exegesis on Wednesday.org as well. So, that is fantastic uh, that we have uh, what God has given to us. This tremendous, uh, you know, responsibility. We got this tremendous blessing, uh, privilege that we have as being sons of God and uh, heirs of God 
And uh, now we have the responsibility uh, to live in a li- our lives in, in, in a manner that's in accordance with that, who God, who we are in Christ. We're heirs of God. So God wants us to use that knowledge to live our lives in a manner that's consistent with that fact, living in sin, living like we were when we were under the devil's authority and enslaved to sin and Satan. We don't want to live that way, living according to our flesh and, and living in, in perpetual disobedience. We want to live in obedience to him because of who he, who we are. You know, and, and I like to tell the story that, you know, there was a, uh, the, uh, there's a clown uh, that, that uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't know that he was, uh, he was actually um, kidnapped by uh, gypsies, the circus and, uh, I told you this story several times. Um, so, you know, gypsies had captured this very wealthy, uh, the child of a very wealthy uh, uh, man. Uh, very, he, was, he had millions and millions and millions of dollars. And uh, so he was, uh, the kid was kidnapped by gypsies in a, uh, in a, in a, uh, a circus. So this kid gets, he's a toddler. You know, the, the nanny wasn't watching the kid and, and the kid got kidnapped. So they never knew what happened to the kid. And they just, you know, the guy poured all kinds of money trying to find him and never could find him. So uh, later on, when the kid was, uh, yeah, he was probably in his, tw- in his early 20s and he, he's playing cards with the, uh, you know, the bearded lady and whatnot. And so the, and uh, so he's, you know, he's living like a bum, you know, he's fornicating, he's messing around with crazy people and he's drinking too much and he's living like hell, okay? He's living in sin. And little did he know, that he was, uh, you know, living in po- really poverty. He wasn't making much. And he was, you know, basically, you know, didn't realize that he was an heir to a very wealthy person. So they found out that, uh, they, so they they do, um, they were able to get, the, with the the advancements in science, they were able to do some, uh, through, you know, taking um, a DNA test. They could, uh, they could get, uh, determine if this kid, who this, if this, whoever, uh, this, who the kid was, if they get, you know, they, if they want, if they think the, the, he's the, the heir of this person, they can get, you know, tested and everything. And so anyways, in the also we had a very distinctive um, birthmark the child did. A very, very distinctive, which would be I, the identification of the kid actually that they used. So sure enough, this guy said, well, you know, he says, you hear about that? You know, the, 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 this rich guy, he lost this kid, he was kidnapped and and uh, they didn't know who kidnapped him, so, or they didn't know what happened. The Austin, he's died. And so he has, a dist- they try to, if he's around, he has a distinctive birthmark. And uh, if he's that kid, then, uh, you know, she should report to the authorities. Well, he says, I have that birthmark. I have a distinct, <laughs> look at that. And so he goes in there, and sure enough, they did the test and everything, and he, the blood, it turns out he is the heir. And all that time, he was living depressed you know, oh, what was me and living in really poverty. And all that time, he didn't realize he was an heir. So the analogy is, unfortunately, many of us Christians, we live as spiritual paupers. You know, we're, we live according to, you know, sin is misery. We don't like to live in sin. And so, you know, think about, so here we are, a lot of Christians are living out of fellowship with God. They're, they have no personal sense of destiny. They don't have, realize how God has blessed them with every spiritual blessing of the heavenly places. You've been adopted into God's family. You're an heir of God. You're going to inherit the earth, creation, okay, because of that. It's yours. It's mine. And we didn't earn it or deserve it. And yet, 
here we are living as if, you know, this, this, this doesn't even exist. You know, how sad. So Christian, wake up. Stop being depressed. Deal with it with the word of God. And this today, remember, you're an heir of God. You've been adopted into God's family. He loves you daily. And he, he did this in grace. He did this when we were his enemies. Now we're in his family. Isn't he going to freely give us all things? Of course. So we're his ch- children. We're his responsibility. We have responsibilities to live in a manner consistent with the fact that we're heirs of God, children of God. And children of God don't spend their lives living in sin and feeling depressed and wanting to shoot themselves. Don't do that. Because I've seen friends of mine who've done stuff like that. And uh, more than one friend, actually. So very, very sad. That ought to be the case. So let's uh, let's wake up and smell the coffee and, and rejoice that what God has done for us. And uh, let's live our lives in a manner consistent with who God made us to be, heirs of God, of his heirs. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. We pray this lesson be a great blessing to your people, Father, bringing glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ. Help them to understand the implications of this tremendous doctrine that we're adopted into your family and made heirs through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, the justification. And we thank you for your work on our behalf in eternity past and electing it by predestinating us and the work of your son that makes it all possible and then the work of the Holy Spirit who appropriates the great victory that your son accomplished for us and delivering us from us from our uh, from the wrath your wrath and also enslavement to sin and Satan and placing us in union with your son and making us heirs of God thank you so much father so I pray this lesson would go a long way to helping your people uh, battle the temptation of sin and depression and uh, and whatnot that they face here in the devil's world. In our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.